TTB. Music Podcast. Merry Christmas! Hey! <laughs> Merry Christmas! Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hello, hello, podcasting world. This was meant to be the Christmas podcast, even though there aren't any Christmas albums in it. But that kind of went wrong, so it's now the New Year podcast, but it's still the end of last year as far as our podcast listening goes. Right. I'm glad you clarified that. I was going to keep up that whole pretense for mm. half an hour. Mm. Uh, I was going to tell you about all the amazing things that I predicted for the first week of January. <laughs> you know that post office scandal? I have a feeling that's going to blow up again. Unlikely. No. You reckon? Yeah. yeah. We shall see. So, we're also eating snacks, so apologies for the extra sound effects. We are reviewing Baby Queen Quarter Life Crisis, Sophie Lloyd Imposter Syndrome, Poppy Zig, Wargasm, Venom, Pink Panthers, Heaven Knows, and Aesop Rock Integrated Tech Solutions. Excellent. So, we will start off by looking at Baby Queen Quarter Life Crisis. This is the first album, quote-unquote, as apparently 2001's The Yearbook was classed as a mixtape, even though I own it on vinyl, so it's very much an album. Uh-huh. But, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> apparently that's not how it works. And, you know, it's also a mixtape. And, you know, it's not available on a tape. I could, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm just Let, crunching through this. Let's just, let's just get on to the music, Peter. <laughs> let's do it. Baby Queen. Put the snacks down. Baby Queen. Um, Baby Queen, quarter life crisis. We saw Baby Queen, didn't we? We did. About 18 months ago. We did. And, um, and I think, as you say, this first, first quote-unquote album proper, I think, I think what is great about this album overall is you know is the the cutting lyrics combined with that sort of perfect pop melodies tales of mental health unrequited love and classic pop hits I mean, what more do you want i, I think it's that it's the, it's the package it's complete i think it's a r- really good album mm-hmm. if i was to have one minor critical point and and you know this this is me quibbling lyrics aside it feels that this is much more polished perhaps than some of her earlier releases and certainly when when we saw her electric ballroom yeah she's definitely more of a punk act i think with live or certainly definitely more of a guitar presence live i know it's all pop music i know there's all that sort of shit on it and everything but i feel that the the, the live act is definitely worth seeing because it's a lot rawer whereas yes. this and my, my mom was, and again i said this is really minor quibble and i'm already going on far too long this feels very well produced that said i think it's a great pop soundtrack soundtrack unsurprisingly given again some of her recent work and worthy of repeated listens and success but then again i think you and i already knew that i won't delve straight into the tracks i like why don't you tell us what you thought i agree but i certainly agree about the live thing because obviously me and my daughter we we saw her november november November. yeah it was quite recent wasn't it Mm. and again yeah i agree totally that as a live proposition, much more, much more guitar orientated, much more mm. in your face, yeah, than this. And you say it's fun pop music with an injection of indie rock, 
the rock bit definitely comes across better live. Mm. I did feel, though, for me, that this, I mean, you've got touched on it, I think, whilst it's all lovely, it does lack some of the kind of zip and cutting edge that the mixtape album, the yearbook, had. They had in spades, frankly, and things like Narcissist and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but it's still an enjoyable record. Yeah. It's really she's enjoyable. Still, she's all right. It's good, good pop yeah. songs. Yeah. You know, I mean, Love Killer could be dollar, frankly. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know. But the title track's great. Really like Die Alone. Yes. I think Grow Up as well. Towards the numbers, yeah. Off yeah. Really, off really good track. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm going to mention this word several times in the podcast. It's a solid album. It's a solid album. It's a solid album. I think it's better than a solid album. I think it's a great pop album. I mean, from the opener, We Can Be Anything, and you've mentioned a couple of the other tracks there already. I love Dream Girl. That sort of... Oh, Dream Girl's good. Yeah, yeah. that tale of unrequired love. I mean, Dream Girl sounded like a... Dream Girl could definitely have been on the, the yearbook. Yeah, it could have been on the yearbook, couldn't it? Or the Heartstopper soundtrack or whatever. But, you know, yeah, it's, 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 I think it's a, re- a really solid, solid. I just repeated what you said. <laughs> it's a really good pop album. So let's move from pop to rock and Sophie Lloyd Imposter Syndrome. Ooh. First album from this talented British guitarist who made her name as a YouTube guitar sensation in her teens, picking up nearly a million followers to boot. This is, until recently, she hadn't really stepped out of the, the bedroom from a guitarist point of view, but she has done so first in deciding to record this album. Yeah. And second in becoming part of Machine Gun Kelly's touring band. Oh, right. Great. And she said of herself that she's always been pretty open about her struggles with performance anxiety and, impos- and imposter syndrome, hence the title of the album, mm-hmm. and feeling was that she was not good enough to be, you know, on the same stage as various people. I would say, judging by the guitar playing on this album, clearly she is. Mm, definitely. And it's an album of collabs with people from the likes of Trivium, Hailstorm, Blackstone Cherry, Red Hand in Denial, Inglorious, and other kind of hard rock outfits mm. of recent times. Um, and again, this is a classic solid. Classic. Trips through 80s, 90s, and 90s inspired hard mm-hmm. rock. And does so in mostly a fairly enjoyable manner i think as you might expect from a collabs album it's kind of hard to get a true album flow because you're writing with so many different kind of people and so many different styles so it's so it's more like a various artists kind of album really because it is album. but when it works i think it works pretty good so stand out for me are the the title track with hailstorms lizzie hale Blackstone, this track with Blackstone Cherry's Chris Robinson, Let It Hurt. And actually the album closer, Judge and Jury, with Tyler Conley from Canadian Rockers Theory of a Dead Man's Theory of, of a Dead Man's, which I'd never heard of, I'd never heard of previous uh-huh. to this. But again, that's a very much a, a modern sounding kind of rock collab. Also a very good, good collab with another guitar sensation Cole Rowland on the instrumental track yes, kind of thing. I like which that. is also really nice. Overall, it showcases Lloyd's impressive guitar skills well, and there's nothing here particularly that I didn't like, although the track with Steel Panther's Michael Starr, Runaway, on first couple of listens was a bit too kind of like subpar poison. <laughs> but I have to say, I listened to it again today, and I, and I did find myself humming along. So even that has managed to win me over. So it's not a classic, but enjoyable enough, and I think safe to say that Miss Lloyd is here to stay. 
I think I lost the um the duet that you just mentioned with Cole Roland. Hmm. The sort of duetting guitar. Hmm. You know, I think that works really well. I know it's really great. For me, yeah, heavy, loud, classic, all all adjectives I've written down. And, you know, the the sort of the guest vocals from around the metal world all works really well. It's all accompanied by very accomplished guitar playing and variety of solos on guitar. It's a really enjoyable album, actually. Yeah. I think it's well-deserved. Absolutely, Imposter Syndrome could be seen as an ironic title because it's it's absolutely perfect rock album. There we go. Moving on to the only person on the podcast here we've reviewed before. So Poppy Zig. This is her fifth studio album. We reviewed her fourth back on Podcast 8 in 2001. Wow. Flux. That was a more rock-leaning effort. Yeah. This one seems to be going in a slightly different direction, Peter. It's a harder form of pop, definitely. I listened to this, actually, as it happens just after the uh, Baby Queen album. And this is definitely darker, Mm. more synth-driven, more industrial. Yeah, and it's all for me, for my taste, all very likable stuff. It's it opens really strongly, I thought, and yes. um, and I think it peaks. It's better as an album when it is reaches more of that experimental peak, where it sort of falls back a bit. I think it's perhaps not as interesting as a pop album as say Baby Queen, which is an unfair comparison to make because they are different. But there we go. But actually, I, th- I, th- I find the darker, more exper- experimental stuff much more interesting than perhaps the sort of regular pop yeah. stuff that it's going for, which probably plays to the, the strengths, obviously, of the, the sort of rock previous incarnation as well. So, yeah, overall, liked it when it was more experimental. I really liked the tracks Church Outfit. Yeah. At Zig, obviously. Which is the hit. The total kind of metal, <laughs> metal bit of the album. The metal hit, maybe. And I also like Outfit with this drum and bass. Yeah. I just dropped drum and bass in the middle of the album. And it was like, oh, really? Oh, right, okay. Yeah, I might put a drum it, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, all right, there you go. But, yeah. 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 I'm just saying, I mean, it leans, it leans definitely towards the synth end of the spectrum. So, you know, hints of Nin, hints of DM. Oh. Also, and I very much on the Billie Eilish crowd, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nothing wrong with that. Um, it's weird, because first of all, this is pre-Christmas time. I was thinking, eh, it's all right. But I listened to it yesterday. And then suddenly things kind of like clicked into place more. So I'm going to say, it zips more than it zags. Yeah. Hey. Uh, hey. As we as we zap through these short tracks, ruminating on life and relationships. Yeah. yeah with yeah. elements of industrial, metal, dance, uh-huh. jungle. Yeah. And it's all there. All in there. Yeah. Very reminiscent of Hornsey, I thought, in places. Mm-hmm. Which again, no bad thing. Particularly on like what what it becomes and flicker were both kind of mid album mm-hmm. tracks. I thought of that. As you say, church outfits fantastic. I love the life is a commercial for death and you're hypnotised by the advertisement line in that song. <laughs> really, really good. Overall, it avoids being dull. Shows lots of inventiveness. That was also present present on the previous record. It has to be said, which I said was a more kind of rocky thing. And that in itself shows that she's an artist who doesn't want to just stand still creatively which is to be applauded i think it's funny you mentioned halsey there because i did think about that nin produced halsey album at one point mm. i didn't write it down but i did i did have that vibe yeah there was definitely a few bits very much yeah that style yeah vibe yeah vibe yeah overall yeah. Not, bad. not bad at all 
Do we move on to more snacks? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I really want to apologise to the listeners for the uh, the munching. Yeah, <laughs> I can't stop myself. He's got some too. I'm not boring myself a drink. <laughs> yeah, I'm drinking non-alcoholic beer and making even more noise <laughs> than you would normally. <laughs> so, wargasm, venom, or should we say wargasm, UK? Yeah. Uh, so As opposed to wargasm. Yeah, because apparently there's more. Sierra Leone. <laughs> there's apparently more than one wargasm out there. <laughs> Who knew, Frally? A bit like Baby Queen, they released a 2002 mixtape and now have their debut album. Mm-hmm. So, how to describe wargasm? Well, Milky Way, I'm not kidding, and Sam Matlock, son of Glenn, apparently. Oh, yeah. Produced. An electro rock sound that's a bit like what you'd get if you blended the prodigy with Limp Biscuit. Oh. With very occasional moments of, I don't know, someone like, I don't know, I don't know maybe even Evanescence or something, but just, just some nice kind of ethereal mm-hmm. occasionally. Brash, noisy, and that is most prodigy like on Do It So Good. Actually, quite good. There's a bit of fun too with the song Feral. With its very amusing intro about anyone that's got feral or part of feral in their name, <laughs> which actually made, made, me, made me smile. And again, there's a couple of really, really good tracks that don't fit in with the general theme of the album. So uh, for me, so Modern Love, which is probably my favorite track on it, which is almost, which is quite poppy and touches of Nin again. And also Ride the Thunder with its more kind of Billie Eilish kind of vibe or uh-huh. as well. But then there's the limp. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. There's way too much limp. Yeah. Long time listeners will know of our long history with the biscuits. I've hated on the yes. biscuit. Yeah. That we named our worst album of the year award after their classic Gone Cobra album. Mm. And Biscuit's Red Dunce does crop up on Bang Your Head. <laughs> yeah, he <does. laughs> and that is really all you need to know, really. <laughs> These crimes cannot be overlooked. <laughs> Guilt by association and everything. There is too much stuff on this album that sounds like Limp Biscuit. It's a bit limp. And that's inexcusable. I'm sorry. So there are moments when they're showing that they could be a band that could be kind of interesting but they need to dump the biscuit i'm going to say something now that will surprise you brace yourself what be, to, to be fair to be fair you 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 were actually slightly more praiseworthy of the last biscuit album than i was <laughs> i actually quite like this on repeated listen i got into the fun and sensibility of it and even bang your head with fred durst i was like all right okay yeah yeah i can i can i can vibe with this this is fine I think what appeals to me about the album, and I agree with you completely, Modern Love is the strongest track. I think the pop, I was going to say pop sensibilities, that melodic sensibility buried deep down there mm, somewhere. It is pop sensibility. And I wrote Prodigy, and I was thinking Prodigy peak, fat of the land, mm. electronic punk sort of yeah. era. I thought very much there, and that appealed to me, clearly. So I'm I'm, I'm prepared to give it a give it a give it a pass because actually it's quite an enjoyable listen. It's a fun listen, even if it is a bit silly. There you go. Yeah. Moving on to albums to go. Uh, Pink Panthers Heaven Knows debut studio album from Pink Panthers follows her mixtape to hell with it in 2021. <laughs> How many mixtapes? 
Seems to be there seems to be an unintentional theme running through this podcast. Yeah. Which I hadn't realized when I set the podcast up. Yeah. But yes. So we have three artists yeah. who have released their debut album, having previously released an album yeah. that was called a mixtape. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fucking hell. Who knows? So yeah, anyway, one one for the kids. What do we think, Pete? I think it's a brilliantly produced slice of more adult pop, modern electronic gut, tales of the streets and romance. I have to say, on my first listen, though, it did sort of wash over me a bit. Hmm. I was a little bit disappointed. I was expecting more, I think. I and there's a danger it does sort of sit into it, does sort of fall into a bit of a comfortable background music sort of place. It's a shame, really, because it opens really strong. The tracks Another Life and True Romance that sort of at the start near the start of the album are really good. I also like Bury Me, not just because of the title. And also Capable of Love, which I think was my favourite overall standout track. So it's it's there. It's well produced. It's interesting. It's lyrically interesting. It tells a story. I just found it a little bit solid, but not the good solid. Yeah, I mean, I was familiar with her from her Boys and Liar song, yeah. which was then redone yeah, yeah. with Ice Spice, which got several players around this household. Um, <laughs> similarly, this album also has appearance from Central C, whose music also flows through. You're also the, familiar with It also flows through the walls. Passively quite, familiar yes, with that yeah. well. <laughs> I'm, I'm very familiar with Mr. C. I can't say this album really did much for me at all. No, um, no I was shame. Quite, and I was quite disappointed in that as well. So, mm. so yeah, I, I mean, I've listened to it again today for the first time. So probably the fourth time I've listened to it today. Because it is quite a short album. Right? So it's only about half hour. Yeah. But yeah, it just... There are three tracks in the second half of the album. You mentioned one of them, Capable of Love, that did demonstrate that there perhaps is more and better to come. So I really like Capable of Love, Feel Complete, and Ophelia. Yeah. Which are all in the second half of the album. Yeah. All those tracks. Like I thought, oh, actually, yeah, I quite... Quite like these, there's something there. It's not just exactly the same as everybody else is churning out, which is kind of the problem with a lot of stuff at the moment when you've got so many artists and so few producers and it's the same producers producing everything. And hello, Greg Kirsten, who's produces and co wrote a couple of tracks at the start. But yes, yeah, so I, I, it was disappointing for me. No. I was hoping that there was going to be more there than there was so shame yeah but she's a young lady so i'm sure there's more to come more to come so we finish off with aesop rock integrated tech solutions and i have to admit i was not previously aware of mr rock prior to this album <laughs> even though he's been around since the 90s by all accounts and this was clearly an, this album was nothing to go by clearly an oversight mm. it starts off very funnily with an advert. An advert, yes. <laughs> for for the album for Integrated Tech Solutions. Which the, threw me. Yeah. <laughs> and then goes into the wonderful Mindful Solutionism, which offers a strange potted history, of, which starts off, I don't know, it said, two and a half million years ago, a friend of mine made a tool and defended his tribe. It's technology. Sorry for that technical term. It's the wheel, then a fire, and the rest is a blur. <laughs> and that kind of sums up exactly the tone and lyrical skill of this record really yeah uh it is it is lyrically a delight whether it's him talking about viewing a city as it turns to night on living curfew if it's yeah 
writing the first pro pigeon <laughs> song, <laughs> yeah, uh, which is a very clever, but also it's not necessarily about pigeons either because it's about it's about because like you say seeing pigeons as individuals and stuff like that. So it's about seeing people as individuals and not as a group kind of thing. Yeah, uh, I love the bit where he goes a white dove symbolizes peace and pacifism. A white dove's a pigeon. You you motherfuckers is bigots. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then even that song kind of of like goes off off, off on one and suddenly is talking about Leonardo da Vinci Back With Artists there's a great song about Van Gogh on on failure where he's talking about a painting that he really likes and kind of summing up the kind of thing of how Van Gogh was a failure in his own term in his own life life, and he became popular afterwards kind of thing which is quite funny and there's lots, there's just lots of other just weird shit that's great. So it's talking about, you know, there's t- talk songs about depression on Black Snow. There's mm. aggressive Stephen, which is about finding a me- about finding a meth meth addict in your in your in your apartment, uh, and then how the system deals with such people and what yeah. you kind of call it there, which is really clever. Yeah, song about meeting Mr. T. Oh, it was brilliant. And Mr. T not being an ass. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And that, was, just, that was lovely. Yeah, and it's just. <laughs> I, I, I ended up looking up on Wikipedia at the bottom of the Wikipedia thing. There's a thing saying, "In May 2014, a study by Matt Daniels found that Aesop Rock's vocabulary in his music surpassed 85 other major hip hop and rap artists, as well as Shakespeare's works and Herman Melville's Moby Dick." Wow. He was cited as having the largest vocabulary in hip hop. To build up his vocabulary, he reads a lot of news and science articles and writes down all the words he finds interesting. Analysis of his lyrics identified him as the rapper with the most expansive vocabulary, using the most unique words in rappers. In a rapper's first thirty-five thousand lyrics, he had seven thousand eight hundred and thirty-nine unique words. Wow! On this evidence, that still rings true. But as I said, it's not just the language use; it's the structuring of the songs, and it's the beats as well. That he's using that make this a compelling and vibrant record that stands out for me at least, from most of the modern rap hip-hop, which often sounds either overly cluttered or monotonous and with over-processed vocals and a cast of 50,000. So it's very much an old-school rap record, which is probably why it appeals to me. Yes, I mean, all of the above. Apart from initially being thrown by that opening track, which made me thought my Spotify account was breaking down. (laughs) But seriously, what I also love about this album, not only is it classic 80s hip-hop, there's also classic 80s synth on here as well. Mm. You know, in its more experimental moments, it, it goes down that route, which is, which is, you know, accompanies the, the running themes of technology running mad quite well. Did you yeah. also spot the running themes of a cat? And I a, did, yes. And, a, and I think a goose down, I was going to say goose down duvet, but it's probably a coat, isn't it? Because it's hip hop. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, but from him, it could be a that duke. Got, that got mentioned a few times as well. Yeah, it could be a duke. Go back and listen. You'll, you'll spot the references to the goose down coat or duvet. It opens really strong, as you say, with mindful solutionism. Very heavy. In that one, very heavy. Saul Williams. Again, back to Nine Inch Nails again. Mm, Saul Williams. Yeah, Saul Williams, Nine Inch Nails reference. And, you know, as you've said, you know, Living Curfew, Pigeonometry, album settles midway into something a bit more. Bit more sort of hip hop, bit less experimental edge, but still carries that old school vibe very well. You've mentioned aggressive Steve, and I also thought forward compatibility engine was fantastic. Yeah, great song. Experimentation returns, obviously, with the, the Van Gogh study on failure. Hundred feet tall, Mister T, Salt and Pepper Squid with that Salt and Pepper. Bit push it. 
Yeah. Push yeah. it, push it bit. I also love By the River as well. As well. <laughs> Like him communing with a beaver or something in the Hudson River. Yeah. <laughs> but it was really, really good. I, do you know what? I, 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 spoilers. This is my album of the podcast. Um, and as it was the end of the year, I don't think I listened to it as much as I could have done. Had it been released earlier in the year, I think this would have ranked a lot higher on my albums of the year list as well than it ultimately did. I'm just going to leave that hanging. Yeah, well, it made, made it into mine. Anyway, possibly could have been, possibly might have been similarly oh. higher with uh, more of a lead-in. Yeah. However, it's still done all right. Yeah, indeed. You know, let's, speaking of which. Uh-huh. Should we do it? Mm. Let's do it. It's the moment you've all been waiting for. Well, two old men read out, read out <laughs> a list of their favourite <laughs> albums of the year. <laughs> Ah, with no drum roll or anything. <laughs> oh, I can't be bothered. Go on. Let's skip to it. So, Pete. Yes. Of all the fine albums we listened to last year. Yes. Which ones were the ones that you thought were particularly fine? Well, it's funny you ask me, Scott, because I kind of kept a record throughout the year. And rather than go through the whole list, let me just pull out a couple of my favourites from, from right through the list. I mean, I think Aesop Rock, which we've just reviewed. Yes. Comfortably in my top 12. Perhaps could have even made the top 10, given more time. But I think, you know, up in my top 10, you've definitely got the likes of Boy Genius, the record, which I think has figured on a lot of top top lists this year. It has indeed. Alana Del Rey, do you know there's a tunnel ocean underneath the ocean? Oh my God, I can't even still, I still can't see the title. The one about the Ocean Boulevard. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely up there. Long as title. Well. Uh, props to our good friend Bergman. Indeed. Uh, it, that actually turned out, that actually just scraped into my top five. Oh, I say just scraped, it is in my top five of the year. They're, they're at number five, I can see. Yeah, yeah, for me. I'm not going to spoil the ending because I think there's a bit of a discussion to be at maybe right at the end. There perhaps is. You, so, you, so why yeah. don't I pause there and you let me know what you thought of your list? Yeah. I said Aesop Rock for me made it into my top 10, even because I was listening because it was the first thing I listened to. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. So it was the first thing I listened to when we started originally reviewing the podcast's albums. Yeah. And immediately, like I went, as I said, because it starts off so impressively, it was like, oh, hello. This is good. Yeah. So I literally listened to it three times in a row. Straight off, I went, I like this. Maybe I should listen to the other albums just so I'm actually prepared. So yes, that was really, really good. As you said, Bergman, he made it to number 10 in my list. Cracking record from Matt's. Yeah. Margot Price, who you had, I think, about number 20, I think, in your list. Just outside, yeah. 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 Strays, that was one of the uh, albums earlier on the year that I really, really liked. So, so I put on vinyl, really strong record. Be Your Own Pet, which you've got... Quite just, high. Uh, Very I've got, high. I've got number seven. Yeah. It's a really good return from them after being away for a while. while. Oh. Really, by far, the best indie album that we covered uh-huh. during the year. Clearly. Olivia Rodrigo, again, really strong debut album. Came back with a really strong follow-up album as well. Critically acclaimed, and also people buying it, Ordinary Punters buying it too, so yeah, really good. As you, as you said, and then we have the top five charts. The top five charts. The top five charts. 
where wow we 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 <laughs> we, we, we all had we we all had the, we had the same three albums three of the same albums uh-huh. in our top five. Yes, one of one of which is featured in most people's critical list of the year. Yes, two, two of which two of which are purely personal. Yes, have not <laughs> have not featured in anybody's. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, so let's let's go let's go with the one that actually appeared in quite a lot of lists, uh, which was the return of Blur with the Ballad of Darren. Yeah. Terrific record. Terrific. Still, still, yeah. My brother-in-law Neil will be pleased that this features so highly. Yeah, terrific record. Really good, really solid. I mean, good solid. You know, come back after yet another hiatus, several yeah. years, accompanied, of course, by a, a slew of really great gigs, apparently. And yeah, you know, it's amazing that, that even after all this time, an album of that sort of calibre an album that sounds like Blur's greatest hits without being leaning too heavily into nostalgia mm. actually sounds fresh and successful. Yeah, very much so. It's just a really strong record and certainly one of the best, one of the best in the career. But mm. def- definitely, which is why... It's one of their strongest. Its reviews and yeah. its place on many lists has been as it... Uh, has been. And I mean, imagine they'd never got back together and never done this. I mean, it's, it's, it must be in their, must be in their top five of, of albums they've done. I don't know. I would hope so. Yeah. So that was the one that people. That's, their, that's the one everyone picked. Yeah. The two, the two, the, the two that are more esoteric and won't be hugely surprising to anyone that's ever listened to this podcast are The Home Study, The Price of Progress, and The Pitch Mode, Memento Mori. Oh. So. Which we should deal with first. So you, so, oh, so you had, because you, obviously you had, them, you had them both higher than me. So you had the yeah. best number one and uh-huh. the home study at number two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas I, I was well, four and five, four so, and five. So for me, the hold steady. This is, I think this is my, this is my favorite album of theirs since the last time I had a favorite album of theirs. <laughs> 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 Which probably takes us all the back, way back to the heyday, you know. I really enjoyed this one. I think I enjoyed it more than you did on a mission, did, yeah. on, on the yeah. podcast as well. I I really connected with some of the tracks on this album in a way that I perhaps haven't for a very long time. Mm. Any of their efforts, really. I think six to, six is still an amazing tune when I listen to it when it comes on on yeah. shuffle. Uh, I still love that tune. I think it's great that they're still able and capable of writing a song like that. And, you know, I think I think some of the other tracks on there are really pretty strong and are definitely growers. And I just think, yeah, what what are you, what are they, is it the 20th anniversary last year when we saw them? And oh, what a way yeah, to yeah, sort of round it out. Must have been. Yeah. So for me, that was, as I say, their strongest album since oof, the late, the late noughties, the early yeah, 2010s. Yeah, well, I preferred the, the album before. You did, yeah. Totally honest. Uh, yeah. Open door policy. That's the one. Um, Which I liked as well. I feel that open door policy was leading here. They, they, are, they are kind of companion yeah, albums. definitely. I just felt this one had a bit more of a flourish or a, maybe a bit more of a pop sensibility to it, perhaps. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Just hold steady. Uh, <laughs> hold and steady. And then there was the mode. The mode. Well... Uh, he returned and returned with an album that didn't totally suck. No, <laughs> like the last one. This album for me was 
oh, this album for me was perfect for them. In terms of what? In, in terms of uh, technical issues. In terms of, you know, where they are on their journey. Uh, obviously, the loss of Fletch last year, last year, year before. Th- this could have, this could have sunk as a project. I think it's actually their strongest album. I think we had this debate at the time. Is it their strongest album in a decade? I, I think this is their strongest album now in the last 15, 20 years. Yeah, um, it's it's just grown on me that far, that far. I I always have that thing with Depeche Mode albums. It's like, oh, you love it because it's new, and then the next one will be along at some point. I don't I don't know if there will be a next one. I think that's the other element to this as well. If this is their final album, then then boy, what a way to go out. Yeah, um, I'd agree with that. I definitely. think it's a career. It's you know, it's it's never going to be the the imperial career high that they had in the early nineties. But this is as close as damn it. Yeah, no, I love this album. Yeah, it's. The psychedelic mode. Yes, the psychedelic mode, indeed. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is, as you say, this was easily their best album in a really long time. Consistent from start to start to finish, unlike previous albums that have certainly had proper duds in them. I don't think, yeah. I don't think there's proper yeah. duds in this album. I mean, no. obviously some, some tracks are better, they're clearly better than other tracks, but yeah. it, you know, but the whole album hangs together it quite does. well as a... As a a piece and we were lucky enough to see them live this year as well we were uh, in the germany indeed which was fantastic and they're still out there touring so if anyone's listening to this and you haven't seen them yet go see them yeah because again this could be this could this be could it. be it yeah yeah so uh, as it turned out when we when we combined our uh lists of our top 20 odds our overall top 10 ctb music Albums of 2023 were at number 10, Aesop Rock, Integrated Tech Solutions. So you didn't make it in the rank. At number nine, Lana Del Rey, Did You Know There's a Tunnel Under Ocean Boulevard? Well done. No. <laughs> number eight, Bergman with Embers. Oh. Cheers, Matt. Cheers, Matt. Number seven, Boy Jesus. Boy Jesus. Boy Jesus. <laughs> Boy Jesus. <laughs> Boy Jesus. <laughs> God, I'm drinking non alcoholic. Hello. <laughs> Boy Genius, the That's record, on. which was actually my album of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, number five. Yes, you'll notice we've gone from nine to eight to seven, then to five. Right. Uh, Be Your Own Pet, Mommy, uh-huh. and Olivia Rodrigo, Guts. Yeah. Four, Susan Sun, four, Blummy. Of course, which was great. It was indeed. Yeah. And we have a treble joint number oh one God. of the album. We had this, been... we've never had this before. No, 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 we haven't. We've never tied. So Blur, The Ballad of Darren, uh-huh. Best Moment Boy, and The Whole Study, The Price of Progress uh-huh. were, were our equal Excellent. number one album of 2023. Well, that's going to the spreadsheet up, isn't it? There we yeah. go. Yeah. So there you go. Amazing. Amazing. So for all those naysayers that are saying that last year wasn't the greatest year for music, I say, you're wrong. Well, I'd say there are, there are 10 albums there that mm. are yeah. worth anyone's time. Yeah, definitely. And that cover quite a few genres. Yeah. Indeed as well. Indeed. So, yeah. You know, if you, don't, if you want to hear some birds tweeting and stuff, then there's Susan Sunfall. Yeah. <laughs> Which I did this afternoon. So anyway, that's the end of 2023. Thank God. Even though it's the start of 2024. Oh, so no. now all we need to do is find some albums 2024, doesn't it? Got to do it all again. Yeah. Blimey. So, see you on the next one when we talk about stuff from this year maybe
Bye. Bye. Oh, I'm David Bowie's still dead. Oh, happy new year. Yeah. This podcast is a Vineland production.